time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. I miss you guys. I have uh, been out of the country for about a week, a little over a week here, so I've uh, missed my podcast. I was actually in a place where it was impossible for me to to podcast, and so that's why I did not podcast. Uh, but uh, but I'm back, back in the country, and um, uh, very glad to get back into the podcast thing. Hey, a couple of quick things before I jump right into uh, this series we're talking about on the real Jesus and how we relate to Jesus and experience him. Uh, one is, again, to ask you, if you're listening to my voice right now, I want you to pause and to pray about this unique opportunity that I have to travel to Manila, the Philippines, to teach at the International Graduate School of Leadership, to teach a, a course on the theology of worship, and to speak in churches in the evenings, and to do some community seminars and that type of thing. And it's a very unique opportunity, uh, but I need to raise $2,500 to do that, and I'm asking all of my friends and people who listen to my podcast to, to at least pray. But if you can give, please do. I need that money as soon as possible because I need to buy a plane ticket. And if you've ever bought plane tickets internationally, you know how they go up and up and up the closer you get to the travel date. And I'm traveling in May, and so I need to get those tickets uh, quickly. So please pray for that provision. If you'd like to give, you can uh, go online to jeffkinley.com, click on the Donate tab, make a donation there, or you can write a check to Main Thing Ministries, Main Thing Ministries, uh, P.O. Box 157, Bergman, Arkansas, 72615, and all of your gifts are, of course, tax deductible. And so I need you to pray about that. All right, so let's jump right into where we were when we left off last. We're talking about Jesus and his last night prayer to the Father, and he's praying about his disciples to the Father, and he's telling the Father that he wants them to know the Father because that's what eternal life is to begin with. He says, I manifested your name to them. He's talking about the revelation of God's vintage truth to them. He says, they've kept your word. He says, the words you gave me, I've given to them. He says, they've received the words. And then I want to talk about here in verse 13. This is what Jesus says now. Now he's praying for his disciples, about his disciples. But that's also you because in this passage, he says, I pray not only for them, but for those who will, who will come to faith, essentially, through my disciples. So this is what he says in verse 13. He says, these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full. You see what Christ is saying there? The way to experience Jesus is to hear Jesus, to hear the words of Jesus. And we do that through the scripture. He says, these things I speak in the world. That's the context in which he gave these words to the disciples. And what's the result of that? The Bible says that their that his joy, Christ's joy, may be made full. And so Jesus wants us to experience his joy in us. 
because he had joy when he was giving the word. And he says, so that they may have my joy made full. We can experience the true joy of Jesus Christ when we are immersing ourselves in the words of Jesus. So, there is no worship without first there being content. And there is no experience with Jesus unless first there is content from Jesus. God speaks to us, to our spirits, with truth from his word. And we take that truth and we live it out. But there first has to be a truth communicated. Now look what he says in the very next verse. He says, I have given them your word. That was the agenda of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he came full of grace and truth. The Bible says in John 1, 14, that he incarnated. He, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And it says that in John 1, 18, that Jesus says that he has come to, to reveal who God is, and that he has actually exegeted God to us. He's explained God to us. And so when we hear the words of Jesus, we're hearing what God is like. We're hearing the heart of God. We're hearing the, the mind of God expressed through his word. And so Jesus says, I've given them your word. That's the content of our faith. And that's why the Bible is so important to us. And having a relationship with God doesn't happen outside the context of his revelation of himself. Otherwise, we're simply inventing things about God in our head or feelings that we're having. So it's very important that we are in the word so that we can know who God is, so that we can respond effectively to God. And as I said last time, that, that's a... That's an exploration. That's a journey that's that's beyond a lifetime. I mean, we continue to get into the Word, and we continue to learn not just new things about God, but things that we thought we already knew. We learn different facets and aspects and depths of the truth of the Word of God. And then he says in verse 17, he prays to the Father. He says, Father, sanctify them or set them apart or make them holy in the truth. Then he says, your word is truth. So God's word is the means by which we are sanctified or made holy or are cleansed in our lives. And it reminds me of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5. And it's in the context here of the relationship of husbands to, uh, to their wives. To Yeah, to their wives. And he says this. He says, husbands... Love your wives, this is verse 25 of, of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her. How'd that happen? Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So the word is like a cleansing bath. It cleanses our minds. It sets us apart. It makes us holy. That's what the Word does for us. It says that he might present to himself the church, 
in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. You see, our our holy state, our experiential holy state, not, not our positional holy state, that comes with the blood of Christ at salvation. We're made holy in his sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. But, but our experiential holiness comes through being daily cleansed with the word. So if one experienced that holiness, that sanctification that people talk about, that can't happen unless we're in the word. So we have to continually keep the word in our thoughts. And, you know, you say, well, gosh, isn't that, isn't that like studying for a test? You got to always, you know, call up these words. And I, No, 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 it's not like that at all. <laughs> you see, Christianity is not a subject to be studied. It's it's a lifestyle to be lived. It's a person to be enjoyed. It's someone to know. And the more that we expose ourselves to God and his, to his word, the more this stuff just naturally begins to come out. So, so we find ourselves thinking biblically about stuff. See, that, that's really the missing secret in the church today. It's the missing element. It's like a big front tooth that's missing, but nobody's pointing it out, is this whole idea that when we are bathing ourselves in the Scripture regularly, then we learn to think biblically about stuff. And so here comes the world, here comes values, here comes the church, here comes teaching, here comes people, here comes relationships, and we go, what do I do with all this? Here's an idea. Why don't you think biblically about that? Why don't you ask yourself, what does the Bible say? Either directly, indirectly, through a principle, through an example, through a story, through a prophecy. What does the Bible say? about this issue that you're facing right now, thinking biblically. And when we think biblically, our minds are cleansed of all the garbage that we produce internally in our heads and that the world and, and, and Satan sends our way. And we're able to think about these things with, with a sense of clarity and a sense of confidence. And so we don't just wander around. And that's exactly why Paul wrote to those same Ephesian believers in the previous chapter when he said that the the role of a pastor teacher is to equip the saints for the work of service and you know a lot of people think well you know it's the preacher's job to do this or that no 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 it's the preacher's job to equip you the the preacher's kind of like the coach you know he's the guy that helps you understand the plays and helps you understand how the game is played, and he gives you the equipment you need to be successful out there on the field, which is the real world that you live in every day. Look at what he says. He says, here's what a, a pastor does. He says he's there to equip the saints for the work of service, as Ephesians 4.12, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge, there's our knowledge again, of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Don't you want the fullness of, of Christ to be your experience in your, in your life? Then get under some great sound teaching, and that's going to happen to you. Verse 14, as a result, Paul says, we are no longer to be children, 
tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. And that just described about 75% of Christians today that are just walking out there mindlessly facing the world. Oh, they can tell the difference between the green light and the red light in the spiritual realm. But beyond that, they have no idea how to, how to navigate through the gray. They have no idea how to think biblically. And you know why? Because they're not in the Word. And the Bible is not forming their thought patterns and helping them create grooves of thought and paths of, of biblical reasoning in their heads. And they're not sitting under sound, great expositional teaching. They're just getting sermonettes for Christianettes every week just feel good stuff or, or maybe getting yelled at by the pastor about salvation or something I don't know but they're not being equipped you know I had a, a football coach one time I, I actually played organized football once I was more of a baseball player and later a basketball player but I played football once I was 10 years old went out for the team and and you know I was a kid who had won these football competitions I, I was like state champion in the punt pass and kick competition of my state and I was a really pretty good little athlete at age 10 years old but I went out for football, figured, well, I'll be the quarterback, I'll be the wide receiver. No, no, no. This coach put me on the offensive line. I mean, I may have been 75 pounds dripping wet. I'm on the offensive line. I'm thinking, I don't, offense, I don't even know what one does. And so I, I got on the line. He put me there, and he um, ran the play. And I obviously, obviously did it wrong because he then began to kick me. He literally kicked me he planted his foot uh, I won't tell you where he put it but it was in a, in a very tender spot and he kicked me and I came home that day and said to my mom you know what I think I'm going to stick to baseball you see he had that coach had no idea how to equip his players and some pastors don't know how to really equip people they just know how to preach you know they, they know how to get up and tell a good story and, and get people laughing or maybe just tell something that will make them cry, personal story. They know how to alliterate their message, you know, their messages. Uh, they may know how to open a Bible or hold a Bible. But are they equipping? And thank God there are some great equippers out there. But listen, that's the job of the pastor. And that's why Jesus said that the word would sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Then he says in verse 26, he, Jesus says in, in this high priestly prayer in John 17, he says, I have made your name known to them that the love with which you love me may be in them. See, even the, the, the joy and the love we all long for, now listen to this, the joy and the love that we all long for begins with understanding and embracing God's revelation about Jesus Christ. When we when we receive that revelation, we we're going to get his joy. The father's love is going to be in us. Because we we've embraced his son and the truth about his son apart from scripture, we can know virtually nothing about Jesus. So, let me let me just ask you this question in closing. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Can, can you even articulate what you believe about him? Not that he did this or that or whatever, but who is he? What's he like? 
What, what, what did he do? What theological truths did he teach? Do you know what Christ taught? Further, what did he do for your sin? I mean, really, what, when you say Jesus died on the cross for your sin, what are you saying? What are you even saying? Do you understand what propitiation means? Do you understand what substitutionary atonement means? Are those concepts that resonate with you? They're the essence of your own salvation. They should. You should find out what they mean. How do you know how to walk with Jesus daily? What do you need to know about God? Christian life, Satan, the world, your sin nature, how your whole sanctification process even works. And what are you supposed to do with your sin? Why don't you even lose, why don't you lose your salvation when you sin? You see, all these questions and countless other topics are part of what we call doctrine and theology, or I just call it God's vintage truth. They're part of that. And they're all found within the pages of your own Bible. You see, you and I can rest in the confidence that ours is a God who is as holy as he is loving. He's as wrathful as he's gracious. The humble Jesus of the Gospels is the same exalted, coming, conquering Christ of Revelation. The same Jesus who proclaimed, Blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3, also prophesied in Matthew 7, 23, Concerning the day when he would say, I never knew you, depart from you, from me, you who practice lawlessness. The same Jesus who beckoned, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, also predicted that some will be cast in the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The same Christ who comforts a grieving Mary and Martha in John 11 also offended thousands of people in John chapter 6. You see, we can't have one Jesus without the other. It's the total package of Jesus that we want. And we know these things about him because of God's word. He's all that, and he's much, much more. So just know that today as you walk out there in the world, there is an assault on the biblical Jesus, and that we'll continue to see that as time goes on. Be wary of those who promote only tolerance and unity over discernment and doctrine. Be wary of those who promote a makeshift Savior that is heavy on sentimentality and light on sovereignty. Today's Jesus welcomes everybody into heaven, right? It doesn't matter who you believe in, just come on in. And some people have even made these fantastical claims of going to heaven and seeing this Jesus that doesn't match up with the Jesus of Scripture. Don't be like those people who swallow these deceptions many people many people will continue to preach and to blog and to write and to sing about Jesus in the days to come but we have to hold fast to God's truth and not be swayed by false teachers and phony images of Christ with scripture as our anchor and as our rudder we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching or be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound exactly like the truth. Beloved, you need to learn to think biblically. And the good news is, you can. It just means diving in. Get, in, get into a good Bible. Get into a good Bible study 
get into a great Bible teaching church. And trust me, when that happens, things begin to, to occur in your thinking. And over time, over time, what you discover is that your mind is being renewed. It's being changed. It's being developed into this person who knows how to walk through life and understand and cut through that fog to know the difference between truth and error. Marry your mind and your heart to God and to his word and watch the real Jesus stand up and stand out in your life. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.